Philo is the cheapest way to watch over 50 of your favorite channels like VH1, AMC, MTV, Lifetime, so many more. You can enjoy live and on-demand TV plus unlimited recording for only $20 a month with no contract needed. Philo is available on Roku, iOS, Fire TV, Android TV, and Apple TV. To start your free trial, go to philo.tv slash jam. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash J-A-M. And if you go now, you'll also get 15% off the first month. Welcome to Jam Session. I'm Juliette Littman. I'm Amanda Dobbins. Hi, Amanda. What's up? Hi, Juliette. How are you? I'm glad to see you. Glad to see you, too. You're wearing a lovely yellow. I'm trying. You know, I'm trying to bring the spring to Los Angeles. It seems resistant. It but really is resistant. I am not. Okay. Yeah. Um, what spring topics do we have on hand for today? Well, so we got we to gotta revisit the royal stuff. We yes. like. There actually aren't that many updates, but there's been a lot of discussion. So mm-hmm. we need to talk about the Will thing again. We need to talk about... You know, where is the baby? And we'll talk a little bit about other Meghan and Harry related stuff. We're just going to, you know, check in. Okay. You're going to tell me about something that I know nothing about. Yes, Lala and Fafti. I can't wait to discuss this. Like, I literally don't even know. Between 50 Cent. right. All right. And Lala Kent of Vanderpump Rules and her boyfriend, Randall Emmett of Movie Pass Films fame. Really? Yeah. Well, you know, I'm looking forward to learning. (laughs) Learning and growing is an important part of life, uh, even after you've graduated from school. And then we are going to talk about something that happened last week, or a series of things that happened last week, which were basically about celebrities declaring war on critics. Yes. And it's a it's we a like rich, both celebrities and critics. Yeah, it's a rich topic. So we're going to we're going to talk about that, but first we'll we'll kind of do like, you know, news and updates. Yes, okay. All right. So let's just start with the Will stuff. So last week, for reasons I'm not totally clear about, the Prince William cheating rumors started recirculating. I think they started recirculating cuz he went to New Zealand solo mm-hmm. for a um humanitarian trip mm-hmm. and he met with people like the survivors of the shooting the recent shooting in New Zealand and part of like the Kiwi tradition is like the greeting is you go like forehead to forehead nose to nose basically and I think for some reason people didn't understand what they were looking at and they saw those photos and thought it was like somehow tied to Will cheating plus he was without Kate I'm pretty sure interesting born out of ignorance I think yeah that makes sense at the same time Kate appeared at an event solo with Harry. Yes. And man, was she wearing a great coat. She looked great and they strode in together and both looked happy and like were above the drama. But it was noticeable that William wasn't there. It was noticeable that Megan wasn't there. And I guess people just kind of started paying attention. Yes. And that Harry and Kate moment is important because some people use that as like, oh, evidence the baby is not here because Harry is making appearances. Right. However, I have many parent friends, as do you, and often one parent is like very available right after the baby is born because like the baby sleeps. There's not much to do. Like the mom stays home. But I have many dad friends who just like went back to work and they're just like, yeah, I'm at work. It's pretty common. Yeah. It's also, it's not like he's going to a full-time job. He's showing up for he two gets picked hours up at his home. here and there. Yeah, he gets picked up at his home, yes. driven like an hour and 15 minutes, does the event, goes home. Yeah. Probably the time that the baby's sleeping. Yeah. So just to sum up the Will rumor stuff, there's nothing new to add. We talked about this like almost a month ago at this point. Yeah. Uh, We'll recirculate that podcast. But if you've got questions, concerns, I think it's all contained there. Uh, Signs seem like something's up is it was our verdict. Yes. It's it's just there's so much chatter 
mm-hmm. in the tabloid universe about if Will cheats mm-hmm. and what is the state of the relationships between the Fab Four, as many refer yes. to them, Kate, Megan, Harry, and Will, that there has to be some strife because there's just so much conversation about it. And where, exactly. Where there's smoke, there's fire. Right. But we don't know what that strife is. Don't know if he cheats. Right. Moving on to the baby. Yes, on to the baby. So we were promised a royal baby in late <laughs> April. We, this today is May 1st. It is. It, in the words of NSYNC, it's going to be May. In fact, it is May. And uh, there's no baby. There's no official baby confirmation. There's no photos. There's no indication that there is a baby mm-hmm. here yet. Okay. However, I have long believed that the baby was, by long, I mean the last two weeks. Sure. Have felt the baby was born and just was being kept private. Yeah. So Harry and Megan did announce that they would be doing this slightly differently. They weren't going to do what Kate and Will do. Uh, the baby was going to be born at Windsor, which is outside London instead of in London. They weren't going to do the thing where they walk out on the stairs and, you know, hold the baby so Kira Knightley can't get mad at them. Um, that's unfair. You know what? Kira Knightley made a decent point with that, just for the sure. record. That they were going to spend some time with the baby solo before they made the announcement. So what you're saying is totally plausible. And I think I agree with you. The only thing to keep in mind here is that first babies sometimes are late. Yes. I've heard. Yes, I've heard that as well. Yeah. But I don't know. I just feel like they're so quiet on the topic Mm -hmm. that it's almost like suspicious. And then Harry is like, I I don't know. I just feel like he's kind of, he went to that, event last week. Mm-hmm. I feel like he's he's around, which is almost like a red herring to me of like right. normalcy. The things he showed up to, so it, he showed up to like a service for Anzac Day, which is, mm-hmm. you know, some, it's a UK version of it's like Commonwealth Memorial Day, Day yeah. or, you know, one of these things. I believe it honors troops and historical situations. So it's kind of like if you're the head of the royal family, if you're in the royal family, you got to do that. It's like obligatory. And then he showed up to Easter service, which was also the queen's birthday, which like, I don't really think you can skip grandma's birthday if she's the queen and it's also Easter. Yeah, Like they're like pretty obligatory events. Yes. So I agree that it doesn't necessarily mean that he's not at home. Right. He's, as you said, doing his job, basically. Yeah. Of being a and public it, prince. Like, in total, generous, like, this is one day of work. Right. In total, what we're talking about. Yeah, like cumulative hours. Yeah. Um, and then today, the queen went to visit Frogmore Cottage in Windsor. I think she went over the weekend. Oh, it was over when the she was like, but it came that out. That Easter weekend. Gotcha. Which Kaya thinks means that she, the baby's already here and she was visiting the baby. I think it could also just mean, like, she was in the neighborhood and was going to, because they just moved and, you know, she's trying to, I don't, I don't know. I think that's giving them a lot of credit as normal people. That's like the kind of thing your mom would do. Like, oh, in the neighborhood, I'm going to drop in. But does the Queen of England do that? I'm not sure. I guess I, that's true. I don't know. I agree that the baby's probably here and they're just keeping it a secret. Which I, I like support. In the meantime, on their Instagram, they've like, mental health has been a cause of William and Harry and Kate and now Megan for a while. And so they've like rededicated the Sussex Royal Instagram to mental health, which is like cool. And apparently like in the middle of the night, UK time, they're updating with like montages, you know, collages about mental health, which, you know, you do you. It's not how I use Instagram, but it's also like a valid uplifting way to use it. But as a result of this, they also unfollowed everyone but like mental health professional accounts, which means that they unfollowed Kate and Will's account. Right. Which I think is pure aggression. I think it's really funny. 
I just like, I understand. We've done this thing of, you know, people unfollow or delete their Instagram accounts. They kind of repurpose them for a set amount of time for promotional reasons. Like music, musicians do this all the time. Like I get it. But I, I still think that you can follow one other, like a couple other accounts, which are your family, family accounts yeah. without compromising your uh, public mission. And I, ju- I just think that this is like a, a aggression. That said, it is really funny to me in all the coverage of how this Instagram account works. Like the tabloid coverage will act like it's definitely Megan or Harry writing I it. I know. And I just like... I, there it's was definitely like, not. There was like a whole theme about how she was spelling words the American way versus Doing the XO British way. instead of XX. Yeah, and I was just like, okay, friends, like they have many social media managers. I this know. is how it works. I know. But I also think a social media manager should know that you, especially at this moment when there are all these rumors about fights between them, that you just stay following the other account. I know. It's not that hard. Why do you have to do that? It is kind of funny. I like it. I hope at a certain point, they're just like, we're just going to fuck with people. Like, I hope this is like malicious towards not necessarily their family member, but like their audience. Or not malicious, but conniving, I guess is a better way of putting it. I guess so. I mean, that seems like a sure way to like not be a Duke and Duchess anymore. You know, because like literally the only thing that is keeping these people in any sort of, not even power, but is keeping them in their palaces is people being like, we're obsessed with you. People caring, yeah. Yeah, we'll talk about this more later in the podcast, but uh the idea of how you relate to your audience is pretty important when you're a celebrity. It's and really true. I don't think that these people, given their tenuous like hold on wealth and status, are in a position to be like, screw you guys. It's true. Maybe they will. I mean, it would be fascinating for us. I think that celebrities are just getting smarter about Instagram in general because there's this whole thing that happened with um with Lala and mm-hmm. 50 Cent and Randall that there's like been a lot of speculation also around their social media essentially. Okay. And I thought that Lala and Randall had broken up because she deleted all these posts. Okay, hold post. on. All right, all right, all right. So we're, this is a great segue, yeah. but I just need you to explain to me who these I, people are I will, first. but let me just okay. say, yeah. I thought that she had, they had broken up because she deleted all these, uh, every photo of him. Oh. But, there, but then she did a story that, that indicated they were still together very, very harshly. So I think that celebrities are starting to fuck with us, their Instagram accounts, and I like it. Keep me on my toes. I I like it too. I like it for content. Yes. There's like, you know, and this is another thing we'll talk about this. Like as a celebrity, you do have to keep people interested. You have to keep kind of your own narrative going and yeah. the smart ones know that. But it's a fine line between keeping it going and then alienating people. I completely agree. Okay. So tell me who these people are. Okay. So La- I know who 50 Cent is. It's honestly, I was talking to a friend about this this morning. It's a little hard to explain who Lala Kent is if you don't watch Vanderpump Rules, okay. but I'm going to try. I, I, mean, I believe it, in you. Yeah. It's not hard to explain who she is. It's hard to explain her essence and like what, what she is. But if so, anyone is up to the task, it is you, Juliette Lippin. Thank you. Lala Kent is a hostess at Sir, ostensibly a hostess at Sir. It's okay. a sexy, unique restaurant at the center of Vanderpump Rules owned by Lisa Vanderpump. Okay. I am familiar with all of those proper nouns. I think that she joined in season five, maybe four. She's okay. been on the show. This is, we're just finishing up season, season seven here. So she's been on for a few years. She's a firebrand. She gets into fights. She uses really aggressive language. And she's always made a big deal about her relationship. At first, she wouldn't say the name of her boyfriend because he was married. So she didn't want to say his name. So she would just be like, my man, my my man this, my man that. And then secondly, she's very open about how he's her sugar daddy and like provides like private planes for her. She's openly admitted that she had sex with him and then got a part in a movie. She... She openly talks about how he just buys her all this stuff. And crucially, she was like his 
uh, they were having an affair because he mm-hmm. was married when they first met. So there's just all of this stuff. She has like, she, this season, she like takes her friends on a trip to Solvang from LA and they yeah. fly in a private jet. Like Lol. it's okay. That's like a, that's like a 40 minute plane ride. Right. Not even. No, I, f- I feel like that's like 20 minutes, 20 minutes. Yeah. Like, do you even get up to altitude? No, there's no if, Wi-Fi available. If traffic is working for you, you're there in under two hours. From yeah. LA. Yeah. I'm driving. It's like not even worth the hassle. So right. anyway, she's just very, Oh, she's just very flamboyant about this relationship. Can I ask two follow-up questions? Yes. Is she positioned in the show as a villain? She was at first, but then everyone started to like her. Okay. And is she, in everything you just recounted, at all self-aware? Um, a little bit. Okay. But I think she genuinely, like, wants to be taken care of like this. Mm-hmm. And she also, like, has always flaunted her body. And she's very hot. Mm-hmm. And she also is, like, she has breast implants and talks about it. Mm-hmm. But, like, she uses her body as, like, a, as, like, a tool. Okay, but in a way that is, she's owning it or that is kind of pathetic? Somewhere in between. Okay. Here, I mean, here, would I like her? I don't know. I I I mean, that's, it's, because there's like, I can see a version of this where I'm just like, I do. I think she has redeemable qualities. She used to, she, for a while, she kind of like took the moral high ground, but then she became like obsessed with like supporting women but meanwhile, talks about like just wanting to have a sugar daddy and talks okay. about like, you know, so sex, there's some sexual roles and whatnot. Logical inconsistencies yes. here. I and don't then, like logical inconsistencies. And then Randall looks like he could be buried to one of the Real Housewives in New Jersey. And he is one of the director, one of the producers of the of the film Gotti. Wow. Okay. And he worked at like a production company that was acquired by MoviePass. Wow. So he works like MoviePass films. He just like screams scam to me. And so that sounds everything you just said is a synonym for scam. And so what happened is 50 Cent started Instagramming about Vanderpump Rules and like kind of coming at Lala. And it turned out that Randall, Rand, as Lala refers to him, owed 50 Cent $1 million. Okay. And apparently... 50 had Fitty had tried to get Randall to pay had had, tried, had gotten Randall a job on power so that he could work to pay off his loan okay make money to pay 50 cent back and he still wasn't paying him back so what happened was 50 cent started posting receipts and so over the weekend <laughs> he got into a fight with do you like receipts he started got into a fight with Randall and Lala and they were all using social media against each other and 50 cent just like totally dunked on Randall by sharing screenshots of their conversation and the big joke I kept saying Fofty because in the in the texts Randall had a had a um, a typo that said Fofty instead of 50 okay and it was just really funny and like it was just fucking funny he said like Randall texted him I'm sorry again I'm really sorry I said I'm sorry Fofty I'm heading to the emergency room I'm not doing well please don't text me anymore I'm sorry for everything T this is too much for me I'm so hurt not feeling well now my ex is is fucking with me after your post this is very bad for me on all levels going to ER to make sure I'm not having a heart attack please 50 no more and and so Fifty's just receiving these and then posting them. Yeah, and posting on his Instagram. And he just Amazing. wants to be paid back. And then Randall did pay him back. Incredible. And so Fifty took it all down. Amazing. But you have to wonder how did Randall get one million dollars? That was going to be my follow up question. I don't know, and I worry. And I just want to say, Randall, bad decisions that he may make based on the fact that it seems like he had a very long standing debt to Fifty Cent, rightfully was afraid Fifty Cent. 
famously survived 21 gunshot wounds to the chest. Mm -hmm. So I also would not want to fuck with 50. He's a tough dude. He's a complex man. Yes. He's tough. He's a, he survives. Yes. And I just would not want to be feuding with someone (laughs) who was able to survive 21 gunshot wounds. And it's just the whole thing was so funny. And I think that was just the Vanderpump rules lends itself to like, so much absurdity. The yeah. fact that a genuine celebrity and businessman such as Curtis yes. himself it kind of intersected with this is hilarious. Yeah, it's really interesting that they are sort of Kardashian-ing. Yes, Kardashian-ing a bit in that they are starting to transcend like the closed universe of Vanderpump Rules. I still, even though you won't respect me when I say this, as you have <laughs> clarified on multiple podcasts, I have still not seen uh, an episode of Vanderpump Rules. Not out of aversion. I'm sure it would be great. It's just like, I'm seven seasons behind. Yeah. It's not... The seasons I, also run really long. They're right. Like 18, it, it started... This season seven started in December. And I'm not a great reality watcher. I just haven't learned how to do it in the way that you have. So I just... It just feels insurmountable for me at this point. But I'm curious. Everyone I know, I respect everyone who has watched it and has thoughts about it. It's clearly like succeeding as television, which it's hard to make good reality television. I think the dream is ending because they've all... they Okay, so several of them mm-hmm. just moved to the Valley. And because people are terrible, their um, homes have been like leaked, like their addresses and everything. Mm-hmm. And of course, I looked up where they all are and looked, sure. looked at their house listings. Yeah. And they're all like within like three square miles of each other. And by them all, I mean, there's there's um, three couples and then, or four, Kristen included, there's four core couples of the show who all moved to the Valley, like right near each other. Mm-hmm. But so much of the show is the fact they basically lived in a tiny section of LA and like never left it. And two couples even lived in the same building, wanted to live around the corner. Like they just, I just think that even in so close proximity, they they must have had their contract structured that if they got to a certain number of episodes, they would cash out or like get some yeah. kind of residuals and they must have gotten there. And as a result, all had cash to buy these $2 million homes in the Valley. Right. I think also you've talked about the appeal of the show is that it is kind of, they're all friends and it's like a- Closed universe. C- closed universe. Yeah. And it does even seem beyond the home. So that's like a physical manifestation of it, that they are- uh, venturing outside the universe. Yeah, they're too famous. Exactly. Which is interesting because then they they're kind of... with Fofty. Like, we don't talk about reality stuff as much unless they, on this show, unless they come up to a certain level and they yeah. become, like, actually famous. And the Kardashians did that. And I think, like, the Hills girls, to an extent, did that. And now it really does seem like the Vanderpump Rules people have done that. But I'm curious, like, what happens when... Whether they can sustain, like, fame outside of the yeah. bubble that created it. I don't know. I I don't, they don't have a Kris Jenner. Mm -hmm. They don't have um, even a Kim Kardashian. It's just a very, it's like they're famous for being friends with each other and for also like sort of living a very straightforward, absurd life. Whereas the Kardashians are living a very lavish, over the top, absurd life. And it's almost like the fact that they're like such familiar characters. So much of like what made the show amazing was like they lived in these like, trash apartments right. when they clearly could afford something else and now they can't now they're doing that and just like changes the show it seems a bit more like Jersey Shore than yeah. Kardashians just like and built on a group of friends and then they become very famous yes. but can't really figure out Tom, the next channels yeah. and Tom and Tom on the show now admitted they don't work at Sir anymore and that's right. like kind of a big deal they're not even faking it they're just making money off the merch Tom, that you buy. Tom Tom, yeah. Yeah. Julia, I was Tom, wearing Tom. a lovely shirt the other day from Tom Tom. I thank, thought it was cool. Thank you. I appreciate it. But, okay. So, yeah. So, that's the story with Fofty. 
Okay. I was on Team Fifty. I will say, like, getting in a feud with Fifty Cent is definitely one way to keep your profile very high. So, true. in that sense, they seem to have survival instincts. That is true. That's true. Do they? It's possible that they like see that they. Yeah, I was this. gonna say because if. It did it, end it, it very resolved quickly. so quickly and suddenly had a million dollars. I mean, it hadn't even occurred to me. I believe wow. it was so pure. I mean, I'm lo- really sorry. I love this story. No, that's interesting. Did they plant it? Huh. I have to think about that. Okay. Can't put it past them because he's able to pay him back. But I, you know, that is, that's the question that has not been answered. The only thing is that like other people like Jax were like, cool, man, just bring on the publicity, like in a way that actually did seem earnest. Mm-hmm. Huh, I need to think about if this was okay. planted. Wow, well, you just really blew my mind. I'm sorry. No, I, I, I mean, appreciate it. I mean, it's it. something that you enjoy, so I don't want to burst no. your bubble. You're right, though. I wonder. Okay, well, we'll monitor the situation, or we won't, because maybe they won't. Like, if they become famous, we'll talk about them more. And if they don't, then we won't. Hmm. Okay. Let's talk about today's sponsors as I mull this over. Today's podcast is also brought to you by the MAC Powder Kiss Lipstick. MAC Powder Kiss Lipstick is the moisture matte lipstick of your dreams. It's matte reinvented. MAC's new matte formula feels weightless, instantly hydrates, and doesn't dry out your lips. It was originally developed as a backstage trend for a soft matte look, so it's backstage tested and artist approved. Ooh, cool. Many other matte lipsticks are drying, but the Powder Kiss Lipstick is where matte meets moisture. The velvety soft matte colors glide on effortlessly, providing instant long-term hydration that doesn't dry out your lips. So you get the zero shine smooth look of a matte lipstick with the lightweight feel of a balm. The Powder Kiss lipstick comes in 24 gorgeous colors with a wide range of pinks, nudes, reds, and plums to complement any skin tone. The weightless, cushiony texture of the Powder Kiss lipstick is the perfect way to amplify your look this spring. Juliette and I have received uh, several options, which we are very excited about. I'm particularly excited about Devoted to Chili. It's number 316. Okay. And I have to say, I actually love MAC lipsticks. I've had a few in my day, and the matte one, also fantastic. I do as well. I have Stay Curious, which Juliette picked out for me I think personally. It's, look really nice it's a on little you. more color than I'm used to, guys, but you we're, know, we're it's spring. Boundaries. It's time to try. These are great products, though. So, like, yeah. I feel comfortable trying with MAC because I know that in the past I've liked them. I agree with you. And if you agree, get into a totally new lip experience as Juliet and I are going to do with the Powder Kiss Lipstick. Head to your nearest MAC location to meet your MAC today or shop at maccosmetics.com. While you're online, why not check out philo.tv? You can say goodbye to expensive TV bills and horrible customer service with Philo. It's a new way to watch all the TV shows you love. It's the cheapest way to watch over 50 of your favorite channels like, you know, AMC, Food Network, HGTV, where I recently caught some of the new trading spaces. There's so much to watch. You can catch the biggest shows like Walking Dead and Live PD and SpongeBob and Paw Patrol if you're not really a trading spaces type. Plus, you can enjoy live and on-demand TV plus unlimited recording for only $20 a month and never miss a minute of the shows you love. Philo is great from watching TV from your TV, phone, or computer whenever you want. There's never been a better deal on cord-free, commitment-free, hassle-free TV. Philo is available on Roku, iOS, Fire TV, Android TV, and Apple TV. So to start your free trial, visit philo.tv slash jam. That's philo.tv slash jam, P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash J-A-M. If you go now, you'll get 15% off your first month. Alrighty, moving on. Back into the celebrity online universe and away from the Vanderpump universe. Last week, there was many, many tiffs between celebrities and critics. Yeah, it was an interesting moment where celebrities just decided it was time to gang up on critics. And by critics, we mean professionally employed uh, 
Yeah, say our colleague Alex cultural critics as opposed to like people being mean online. Yes, and that's an important distinction to keep in mind throughout this whole conversation because there is a distinction and there is a job and like a tradition going back literally thousands of years of criticism and talking about art and really like and politics and anything uh, in a critical way. Not crit- not critical as a negative, but applying the art of criticism sure. to something. And then there are just like people with Twitter accounts. And I, that also has a ton of value and in a lot of ways has really leveled the playing field in a way that maybe criticism 50 years ago hasn't. But there is a difference between people who are pursuing some thought and art form and then like people who are name calling online. Sure. So, though, the way that we d- use the internet often flattens the two. And I think that some of this is what happened is that celebrities started kind of flattening the distinction. So we'll just start in order. So okay, great. Lizzo. Lizzo. Who's musician? I listened to this morning. Okay. It was okay. All it. right. She has been sort of a, this is interesting because she's been a blog and uh, music industry darling. Yes. There have just been so many pieces about her and her music and personality, and she's been on the cover of magazines. She's just been—people really love her, and she's had a pretty extremely positive critical experience with uh, with everyone who does this for a living, kind of acting as an advocate. Sure. And then a review of her album ran on Pitchfork, as often happens, that was mixed. And Lizzo tweeted, people who review—review in scare quotes—albums and don't make music themselves should be unemployed. People didn't take that super well. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I guess we're on the media side of this, but like, there's just so many rock critics and like the very like typical Lester Bangs way who are like really like interesting and like thoughtful people. And like, art doesn't exist in a vacuum. And the purpose of criticism is to get people to engage with yeah. art more thoroughly and think about it in different ways. It takes it really seriously. This to me just read like someone who doesn't have a lot of experience sort of uh, showing their feelings in public. Which is not a move. Don't do it. Just I, don't don't whine in public. I completely agree. Yeah. And also, she, you you have the right to disagree, and you have the right to say in public, "I was disappointed by this," or "I don't like this." To, to the "How dare you?" Yeah. of it all is like just not a great move, but, right? Because celebrities, especially in this era, are supposed to be just like us, right? So as soon as you're doing "How dare you," you're on the wrong side. It's true. It's all not right. a good look. Not a great look. The next one was Ariana Grande. Yes. Who she went after bloggers. I'm so I'm just so Allison Herman wrote a great piece for the ringer about all of this. And it really was great. I'm just gonna read from this because it's like really quite complicated. And Allison has the details. Ariana Grande responded on Wednesday to an e-news segment criticizing Justin Bieber's cameo at her Coachella set. Which was weekend two because she couldn't get four or five in sinkers to come back. Right. So E! News is criticizing Justin, the fact that Justin Bieber was, okay. This is what her since-deleted tweet reads. One day, everybody that works at all them blogs will realize how unfulfilled they are and purposeless what they're doing is. Dot, dot, dot. I can't wait for them to feel lit inside. So, I mean, style-wise, this is great. This is, I can't wait for them to feel lit inside is already a meme. Uh, She's so good at the internet. She's really, really good at the internet. This And this is also hilarious because, like, E! News, an E! News segment is not a blog. And also, it's not as personal. It's just, 
she's wrong. Like, this is not, she's like kind of criticizing nothing and it doesn't really matter. And she's just like whining in public, but she's Ariana Grande and she is like allowed to do that. And she does it with such panache that it's just funny. Yeah. Like, this is a real case study in how how you say something is as important as what you say. Sure. Because it's like, Ariana, what are you talking about? Like, people are allowed to make fun of Justin Bieber, you know. Sure, totally. Like, this is all valid, but also like no one cares and what you said is funny. The funny thing is, working in digital media is really hard. Yeah. And like part of it is soul sucking because you are online all the time. It's yeah. part part of the job is like being hyper attuned to what's going on. Mm-hmm. Like we put this podcast together fairly quickly each week because we're just like online all the time. So we got topics to pull from. Right. And like that is really hard, but it's not because like you're a bad person or whatever. It's because as like well documented, it's difficult to be on social media all the time. And it, yes. bre- it breeds a different kind of mindset and lifestyle. But it's like disrespectful of what people jobs are. Well, I, think, I, I hate when work is disrespected. It's true. And I think also in this particular case, Ariana Grande has often benefited from the blogs. Yes. Like she is someone who has she's in the super stardom is in a large part internet fueled because yes. young people, that's how they consume her and she's really good at it. And, you know, she makes a music video with a bunch of rom-com references and it's dissected on blogs and blogs have advocated for her and are part of the reason. So it's one of those things where it's like, you can't pick and choose, you yeah. know? Like, and so I think there are a lot of people who have been upset about this feel like they spend a lot of time advocating and supporting and investing in something. And I do think as a celebrity, you got to be aware of when you're benefiting versus like you have to take both sides. Yeah. You know, it's like part of the price of being in public. And you want to especially want to make sure that you're not dumping on the people who have been right. rooting for you because then you don't have fans anymore and then you're not a celebrity. That's right. like literally how it works. It's what we were talking about with Harry and Meghan. Yes. Agreed. And also she like, she makes music videos for the internet. Like mm-hmm. she makes, she makes content for a very online audience. And so to like dismiss part of that economy is like unfair. Yeah. I mean, I just think in general, it's not smart if you're in a position of power to dismiss the people who put you in power. Yeah. Uh, just like survival wise that and that goes like across the board not even just celebrities but also the thing about celebrity is like don't mind in public I, I really feel that throughout it's just like it's a form of weakness and you don't want to show weakness because you already you're in a position to succeed you're, right it's like it's the Streisand effect people were talking a lot about that last week which if you're not familiar Barbara Streisand got really mad because some random photographer posted a photo of her home on the internet and I think like f- literally 42 people had ever clicked on the page until she filed the lawsuit. And then thousands, if not millions of people right. clicked on it once she filed the lawsuit. Right. It's just kind of like, it's it's not a great strategy. Then there was some Michael Chase stuff, which like we don't need to get into that. Do you want to get into that? He not on really. Instagram, like just he makes a point of... Uh, he tries to dunk on these dunking writers. Dunking on, on writers. Oh. And he's usually pretty aggressive and... It's like if you follow Michael Che on Instagram, You're or right. like, or if you watch SNL and that's your brand of content, like, cool. I, it doesn't really matter to me. Yeah, yeah. It's not a great look, but you know, whatever. Yeah, and then when Allison wrote her piece, he like screenshotted it and like made not even which, knowing her, made fun of the idea of her, not right. even her, because which he is know like, her. which is like predictable. And you know, there is people like to see other people be dunked on. Mm-hmm. I, people like to see people taking a stand. We see that in our political system to negative effects all of the time. So I get why he does it. It's, if that's his bag, sure, whatever. Right. I just don't think it's that interesting. 
the Olivia Munn one is interesting. Yes. So this was the final one. And she posted a screenshot of two, it's not Notes app. What would you say this is? Um, I think it's like a Microsoft Word mm-hmm. document that she opened as a PDF on her phone and then screenshotted. Okay. Yeah. And she had done some Photoshopping as well. So there was a photo element. Yeah. And she posted it to Twitter with the caption, a short essay on the ugly behaviors of the Fug girls. Yes. So this was about Go Fug Yourself, which is like one of the really early blogs. I think it must have started mid to late 2000s, not that long after Perez Hilton and Lainey and the first rise of really, really ugly gossip websites. And the Fug girls have always written about clothes and clothes only. And specifically from official appearances. They're not even like... Like they, it's like sometimes write about. I guess they, I guess they used to write about paparazzi photos. Yeah, more, and I think that they but evolved. They, they, they have stopped, yeah. and now they're like kind of the online version of um, the fashion police. Mm-hmm. But they mostly talk about red carpet appearances and like um, when it seems like someone is kind of like a walking billboard. Yes, and they have always walked a really fine line and kept it to the idea of clothes and image making and this multi-billion dollar industry that all celebrities participate in. And they are they were never like Perez Hilton, who was like literally drawing drops of semen on people, you know, and with his crude Photoshop. So they've been doing this for a very long time. And Olivia Munn wrote an essay about, a quote essay, that's her word, it ain't mine, about how they're mean and how what they do is ugly and unfair. And this didn't go over very well for Olivia Munn. No. People really responded with a lot of gusto. And I think that's partially because she has a lot of ill will against her out there already. Mm-hmm. It's hard to exactly trace how and why it happened, but I don't feel like Olivia Munn's ever been like that deeply respected as a celebrity or as an actress, though I have to say, I quite liked her on the newsroom show. Yeah, she's great. Really liked. And I think she's really good in Magic Mike or yeah. Magic Mike 2, whichever it's one she's the one. She's in. She's, yeah, yeah. She's the girlfriend of the beginning. She, um... I feel like ever since she was on Attack of the Show, she was like kind of like dismissed. And that's not entirely surprising if you kind of know about some of the like online culture that comes with some video game and sort of like more of the like online esoteric pop culture world. Mm-hmm. And she was like very, very much dismissed from the beginning by I think a certain demographic. And then on the other end of things, I think she was like really objectified as like a hot girl mm-hmm. and never really kind of afforded um, much respect as an actress or as, like, just, like, a woman. And I, I'm not even sure I respect her that much. And now she's really active on Instagram, which I think also does not help. But she just sort of, like, never really found her footing as, like, a serious celebrity. Mm-hmm. And I think that, as a result, when she tried to, like, when she posted this, like, personal essay, essentially, it wasn't met well. No. I'll read one quote from it. Okay. Heather Cox and Jessica Morgan, who are the Fug Girls, probably won't like this, but they'll just have to learn that when you come for anyone publicly, you've now entered the public domain and you've chosen your opponent. So I'll give you the same advice we get. When you're in the public eye, it comes with the territory. I think that's true. And, you know, we talk about that a lot, Mm -hmm. where especially if you are making money off of being famous, then it comes with the territory that you're going to be open to. In the same way that you're asking for people's attention and profiting off of that, then you will also have to reap some of the negative benefits of people's attention. Now, there are rules to that. Like, you and I talk a lot about rules of engagement. Sure. You can't make fun of, you know, certain people's, like, actual physical appearances or, I mean, you have to be respectful, but there is a difference between, like, fashion is 
a art and an industry and people are making like billions of dollars off of it. And it does factor into how someone's taken seriously. And, you know, there are industries built around the red carpet and built around now Instagram and influencers are going to be like selling things directly. Like there is money in this. And my general theory has been like, if there's money in the game and you're making money off of it, then you need to expect it. Sure. And I guess that's, I mean, I don't diminish Olivia Munn's right to be like, I don't agree with how the fug girls are doing this. I think she's just kind of, she's confusing it. She accuses of th- them of things they don't do, like sure. making fun of weight or physical appearance, which they they don't do. No, they don't. And she's kind of like confusing and using like actual legitimate thoughts and campaigns to further her own personal agenda, which like I'm not down with. Yeah, I agree with you. And, you know, I think also we talked a little bit about this. I, I do think there has to be a lane for criticism as a, I mean, and there doesn't have to be a lane, but I would like to live in a world where people can write thoughtfully about stuff. Sure. And, you know, it's like the great struggle of the internet at this point is that like, we're still trying to carve out a space where people can disagree thoughtfully and it's increasingly hard. And we, it's like, I get it. And I think you and I have also been guilty at some points of reflexively, you know, not following this thoughtful It gets catty on this podcast sometimes. of course. And, uh, you know, everyone's human. And I think, like, the positive side of the internet is that people's various viewpoints and people's expression and that instant reaction is much easier to express and there's fun and joy in that. You know, there is that kind of, like, rush of endorphins. I still believe that there can be a world in which we can talk thoughtfully about things. I agree with you. I think this is complicated, this particular instance. And this is kind of connects to Lizzo as well. But I think part of the, this instance with Olivia Munn is it's so um, aesthetics-based. Like, she's being, mm-hmm. like, what the fuck girls do is they comment on how people look and not necessarily if they're, like, fat or skinny or ugly or pretty or their makeup or their weight or whatever. But it's about their, their aesthetic presentation. Mm-hmm. And I just think for all people, and particularly women and particularly an actress— how you look is like so sensitive and also for someone like Olivia Munn, like central to her livelihood. Of course. And so it just makes it like a different kind of conversation. And I think part also like part of the whole Lizzo conversation is that she's about like body positivity Mm -hmm. and she represents like a different type of celebrity. And I I think that that like it wasn't explicit in either of these cases, but I do think there's like a kind of like a representation of women in, in media where it's almost like, it feels like lines are crossed as a result of like either Olivia Munn being known for being like really hot Mm -hmm. and like maybe not wanting that reputation or wanting to justifiably like wanting to be like given more depth in the public eye than just like what she looks like. And similarly for Lizzo, like there's like, she's almost like um, an avatar for body positivity and like a a type of online discourse that's like extremely positive as a way to counteract so much of like the kind of standard negativity that I'm sure she still gets all the time for being the weight that she is. And I think that like with with women, it's also like there's even more of that conversation. Yeah. That of like is like really hard to navigate on both sides, both as the celebrity and as the critic. Of course. Like we're taught both that our appearances are number one value and also that we're supposed to ignore that at all times to try to transcend it. And totally. it's like very complicated. I also just like if I were Lizzo or Olivia Munn. And either of these things happen, I personally would be mortified and I would want to like dig a trench and then live in it forever. And, you know, I get it. I understand the reaction. I think 
I, I do kind of think that some of it is just, especially when you are, you know, posing for photographs and creating this whole machine that is dependent on your image, you kind of got to be prepared for it. Yeah. Even, even if it's really tough, it's, and I, like, I understand that it's really tough. And I think that it's just not a good look to be complaining about it in this way. I don't really, in public, I just don't think it achieves anything. Because I, I don't think it's like making the dialogue better. Yeah, I you agree, know, yeah. And I don't think it's furthering their cause. Um, maybe it feels good like an outlet. I, you know, maybe it's useful because it is a reminder to everyone, like we have to, you can criticize, but you have to do it thoughtfully. Yeah. Like, you know, just to like speak with purpose, which we try to do. So I guess that's useful. But the other thing is just kind of, Lizzo and Olivia Munn and certainly Ariana Grande are more powerful, like famous and powerful yeah. than the people that they're picking on. And it, you know, you it's checks and balances, I guess. I, I agree. I agree. An important punctuation note, Mark, on this conversation mm-hmm. is that Diplo, of all the people in the world, yeah. tweeted, critics got to eat too. And, yeah. you know, that's, I do think it's kind of easier for someone like him to say that where, first of all, he's lauded as like being a genius all the time. And um, even if many people have a problem with him because of how he went after Taylor Swift and like said she had like a bony butt or whatever mm-hmm. many years ago, he has the benefit of like being known as like, oh, Diplo, he makes like hit songs. Yes. It's just like. Oh, now he can be a weirdo in public, yeah. which he is like regularly on yeah. Instagram. I mean, it's funny weird, but yes. And I, do I love the songs that he's produced? Yes. Absolutely. Cl- Climax is like probably my favorite song of the last 10 years. Like, honestly, the Usher song is so good. Um, but like, it's easier for someone like that who's like regularly being praised for his like successes with everything else being kind of like an asterisk. Whereas with all of these women, they're mm-hmm. just subjected to a different level, a different type of discourse. It's true. But thanks to Diplo for, for our seeing yeah, the other side. That's true. All the same. Anyway, I, I don't think anything's going to change anytime soon. Me we'll have, like, we have a version of this conversation every once in a while, and I think it's a great one to have, and I'm sure we will talk about it again. I um, agree. Be smart and, you know, be smart, everybody, at all times. I agree. And also, let's get a newsroom reboot. I'd love to, okay. love to get some well, all right, Sloan Stevens. Where are you? Okay. That's uh, Juliet's take of the week. <laughs> Amanda, as always, wonderful talking to you. Likewise. And thanks again to Mac and Philo 